Well, hey everyone, and welcome to Jerry Talk, a podcast for modern caregivers, juggling work, home, family, kids, and finances, all while caring for an aging parent or loved one. I'm your host, Kelly Adams, a certified senior advisor and founder and CEO of Beyond Home Care. At Jerry Talk, we are here to provide you with resources, tools, and support so that you not only survive this season of caregiving, but thrive. Today, we're talking about one of life's inevitable occurrences, and it makes us so uncomfortable. Today, I'm talking about conflict and why we try to avoid it at all costs. You know, some people are conflict seekers and some are just conflict avoidant. Depending on where you fall into this spectrum is really how you deal with conflict in your daily life. Conflict can have really damaging results and it can destroy relationships. And then avoiding conflict can really do the same. That's why conflict is just a part of life. And some would even argue it's necessary to reach the best possible outcome so that the goal is to create a productive and beneficial way, really, to deal with conflict. You know, regardless of your thoughts on conflict, whether you are conflict avoidant or a conflict seeker, when caregiving is involved, it brings forth its own unique challenges. In my own practice, I find conflict in families surrounding caregiving usually comes from four key areas, and that's what I'm talking about today. Poor communication, unclear expectations, different perspectives, and a failure to plan. So today I'm going to dive into each of these areas to help you prevent unnecessary conflict. And then we're going to go into how you deal with the conflict once it inevitably happens. So let's get started. Number one on my list is poor communication. You know, it always amazes me when someone thinks that they have really good communication And in fact, it's the exact opposite. We all know those people. It's human nature to try and dance around a difficult topic, to avoid hurting feelings or having a difficult conversation. But when we do that, we are creating vagueness in communication. I love Brene Brown. And one of the things that she talks about is how clear is kind. And I try to remember that when I need to communicate a specific message It's not fair to ask someone else to interpret what I mean when I don't clearly articulate it, especially when tensions are high or it's a stressful situation. It's even more important to step back and clearly think about what it is you're trying to say. If this is something you struggle with, and a lot of us do, think about taking a moment and writing out what you want to say before you say it. Or practice saying something first to yourself in the car before you have a difficult conversation. I do this a lot when I'm trying to decide how to speak to my husband about something or even a conversation I need to have at work because things sound differently in your head than they do when you speak it out loud. This is one of those areas where really practicing how you're going to say something when it is a difficult conversation is really helpful. You know, we all kind of have our own nonverbal and verbal communication styles or cues. So you could even try practicing it with a friend or in the mirror so that you can get feedback if the message is clear and if you're getting your point across or if you're doing something odd when you're speaking, um, you'll be able to see that actually in the mirror. You know, if it's an important conversation and I need to make sure that a few key things 
were relayed in the message, I might not just have that conversation, but I might also follow it up with an email or maybe a written text just to ensure that, you know, that really important part that I needed to get across came through. So this might look like, you know, after talking to my sister about mom's upcoming schedule for the week, I may text her after and say, hey, so just so we're clear, I'm taking mom to the doctor this Thursday and you're planning to take her to get her taxes filed Friday. Let me know if anything changes or we need to regroup. I'm being clear in this message without being condescending, which is also a really important communication tool. Another good tip for clear communication is to have a central place to store important information. So for example, we talked a week or so ago with Dr. Vines on a previous episode where he talked about one of the most important things for a caregiver to have in their toolkit is a notepad to write down important information so you're not relying on your own memory. Having a place where you have written down key parts of the information will really help you when you're communicating that later on to other family members or important people in your care team. You know, if you're more of a digital person, there are note-taking apps that you can use, and you can even share them with people in your care team. So, for example, I use an app called Evernote, and it's a free app. There's a paid version, but the version I use is free, and that's where I keep all of my to-do lists and meal planning and any kind of notes I need to take throughout the week. And then I have specific notes that I have also added my husband to and one that I've added our babysitter to. So if there are things that she needs to know throughout the week about the kids or when to pick somebody up or what important you know piece of paper to take with her, then we can easily communicate there and she has something to go back to reference. Uh, Same thing with my husband, you know, if there's a honey to-do list or we've got a grocery list going on or just whatever it is, something that we've got upcoming, it's a good place to keep notes. We recently had a conference call together with a financial advisor and I have a tab in there specifically for notes from that conversation so that he could go back and reference just like I can. So having a good place to store those conversations or that information that you get along the way when you're caregiving is just really important. Second on my list is unclear expectations. You know, this kind of goes hand in hand with poor communication. When we don't know our role or what is expected of us, it's really hard to measure up. And as human nature dictates, we want to measure up. We want to do well. So this is one reason I really like the idea of creating a care team and assigning specific role and tasks within that team. When someone has a responsibility with clearly defined expectations, they are much more likely to own the result. And that's what we're after here. If I ask mom's neighbor to bring her meals in order to help out, but I don't define what that looks like, then there's a lack of expectation. Am I asking for dinner or breakfast? Do I mean once a week or once a month? If I ask her to bring dinner every Tuesday and Thursday in the month of April, I've set clear expectations that she can own and understand her role and responsibilities. This also gives her the opportunity to say if she can't meet those expectations so that we're aligned. Remember, clear is kind, like Brene Brown says, Dancing around this topic because I don't want to ask too much of mom's neighbor really creates an unclear environment for her, and that's not serving anyone in this situation. 
So number one on my list was poor communication. Number two was unclear expectations. And that gets us to number three, which is understanding that everyone has their own perspective. It doesn't make another person right or wrong, but understanding that the environment, culture, race, religion, their upbringing, those all color our overall perspective in a situation. This is why two people can look at the same situation and read it very differently based solely on their perspective. Understanding that everyone has their own unique lens that they see the world through really helps us to be more understanding of where each of us is coming from. Like I said, there's not a right or wrong here, but understand that we all view the world differently. Last on my list, and you know I love to talk about a plan, is failure to plan. Like the saying goes, failure to plan is a plan for failure. And this is one area where conflict is really prevalent. This is why I push for care plans even before a crisis has occurred. The need to create a baseline of care for your aging loved one is such an integral part of caregiving. Failing to create this plan causes really undue stress, confusion, and tension that often leads to, you guessed it, conflict. So when an advanced directive is not executed, Mom or dad's wishes are just not defined. Sure, we may quote unquote know what they wanted, but remember that we all have our own perspective. Asking my brother and sister and I to all share one common idea without defining it is a conflict waiting to happen. When we take the time to ask the tough questions before a crisis occurs or before emotions are really high, we remove some of the uncertainties that can create the conflict in the first place. You know, I think about my grandparents, my dad's parents. They both are deceased now, but years ago, they made the decision to move into a long-term care facility before they really even needed daily care. You know, that was a tough decision, but they started off in an independent apartment which was kind of part of the community. And as they aged and needed more assistance, they stepped down into the assisted living and then the nursing unit and then even the memory care unit as my grandmother aged. These were decisions that were made years in advance, really just allowing the family to not only have a peace of mind that grandmom and granddad were cared for, but also that, but having a plan took out the guesswork and the potential conflict that could have come up. In a perfect world, you know, we could avoid conflict, or at least a lot of it. But unfortunately, conflict is just part of life. I think dealing with conflict can be more difficult even than attempting to prevent it, simply because human nature tells us to protect ourselves against pain and criticism and blame. But since conflict is going to arise at some point along your caregiving journey, you need some tips and tools in your arsenal to deal with it. So here are my seven tips to dealing with conflict. Number one, be willing to listen. Conflict can be uncomfortable. And when someone comes at us with a conflict, our first really instinct is to push back and to defend ourselves. But we really need to be willing to listen to what they're saying first. Michael Hyatt and Megan Hyatt Miller discuss conflict diffusing in a recent podcast 
on their podcast called Lead to Win. And they they talk about this in a different way. And it's all about holding space for the other person, almost creating a container to allow them to speak their mind and what's going on without feeling like we need to defend ourselves or talk back. We're just really trying to stay neutral and holding the space for that other person. So along that same line, number two, I think you should seek first to understand before being understood. This is a quote from Stephen Covey, and it's so true. You know, listening to what someone else says without interrupting and truly just listening, trying to understand what they're coming, what they're saying. Don't do the whole, like, as you're speaking, I'm formulating my response in my head because, you know, non-verbally, people can see that happening. You need to truly hear what someone else is saying, even if it means that you yourself need to pause a moment before you respond so that you can think through it. You know, repeating back to another person what they've said is also a really good checkpoint to understand what you heard. Saying things like, what I, what I hear you say is that you're mad about the way that this was handled. And that gives them the opportunity to say, no, I'm frustrated that I wasn't part of the decision. In times of conflict, communication can be hard, and so it's good to have those checkpoints and to really listen to what the other person is saying, because it may be nothing more than they're just frustrated and they need the space to say that. Number three on my list is owning your part. Sometimes all it takes for another person to hear is that it's not their fault and that you're willing to share some of the blame and the solution. So taking the same scenario from before, when... I thought my sister was mad and really she was frustrated that she wasn't part of the decision. I could say something like, wow, I didn't realize that when I made that decision without you, it was frustrating. I'm sorry, next time I'll do better. You're acknowledging your part of the conversation. You're taking some ownership. And it may not be any more than she just misinterpreted or you didn't mean to, But still owning your portion of it helps to take that burden away from the other person. Number four on my list is to stay calm. And this can be hard. You know, in the middle of a conflict, sometimes things can get heated. If you need to take a break, ask for it. We all know people who are yellers or they are really on the offense. When that happens, things can get really emotionally charged and that fight or flight instinct in you could take over. You may even be that person and know that when conflict arises, you're going to be sure to get your point across. So knowing that, understanding that can really go a long way and asking for a break or five minutes to come back will really help. For both sides to calm down, take a deep breath, rethink what's going on, and come to a good conclusion for both parties. So number one was be willing to listen. Number two, to seek first to understand before being understood. Number three is to own your own part. Number four is to stay calm. So we're to number five. And number five, I think you should use I phrases instead of you. And that really helps to avoid this pointing fingers kind of speech. You know, saying something like, you always blame me when things go wrong, puts the other person in a position of being defensive. What you could really say, though, is 
I feel like I'm being blamed for this problem when I don't have control over the decision. That feels very different. I'm taking on the blame or some of the blame and I'm not pointing a finger at the other person. So using phrases like I instead of you always help to keep the other person off the defensive. Number six is to resist the urge to be defensive. This can be really difficult, especially when the other person is yelling or taking cheap shots. It's human nature to defend ourselves. That's that fight or flight instinct that we have, but it's important to resist the urge to defend at all costs. That's why we talked about in the beginning to really just hold space and allow yourself to understand what the other person is saying. As difficult as that is, it can go a really long way in conflict resolution And again, the entire point of this is to come from a place that's productive for all parties involved. I know it's hard, but many times what will happen is when someone blows up in their frustrations on you, then they'll recant and apologize as the conversation goes on. So if you can really be the one that holds that space and stays calm, it will allow for a much quicker resolution in the end. So just to recap, Number one was to be willing to listen. Two was to seek first to understand before being understood. Three is to own your part. Four, stay calm. Five, use I phrases instead of you. Six, resist the urge to be defensive. And last but not least, sometimes you need to bring in a third party as a mediator. You know, sometimes when both sides just want to dig in their heels or you don't have good communicators to begin with, it can be helpful to have a third party to mediate. Someone who can come in and facilitate the conversation so that for one, everyone is staying very civil, but for two, so that the end result of providing the best care possible for your loved one is achieved. You know, there are some experts that believe that conflict is really good and that it allows us to get to the the best product in the end. Pat Lanchoni is one of the experts who thinks that it's the fear of conflict that is the worst part, the unwillingness to engage. And he might be right about that. You know, we we talked about that fight or flight instinct, and no one really likes to be involved in conflict. But you know, Pat Lanchoni talks about how the fear of conflict really prevents a team from reaching its full potential. You know, it's important that it come from a place of trusting. So if you don't have trust in your family, then then that can that can be pretty detrimental and conflict is really not going to go very far. In those instances, bringing in a mediator is definitely one of your best tools that you can use. But spirited disagreement on an issue isn't a horrible thing. As long as all parties involved stay civil, and I think that's important, then sometimes a good, healthy discussion can really get you to a great end result where you're providing the best possible care that you can for your loved one. So I hope this episode was helpful. You know, I get it. Conflict is never fun. Unless you're the type of person that just loves to argue or seek out conflict at every opportunity, conflict in families is especially difficult. 
It would be unrealistic for us to think that we can go through the caregiving process without having conflict. So I do find it to be necessary to have the tools and resources to know how to deal with these difficult conversations. But just know that you're not alone in not liking conflict. None of us love it. And I think a little bit of discomfort goes a long way from understanding our humanity in the situation. I hope you will share this episode with a family member or friend who could use the extra resource or support. I hope you're enjoying Jerry Talk. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to help other caregivers find this valuable resource. Join us next week for another great episode. Until then, have a great week.